Hi, I'm Tom Woods, and you're listening to the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the statist quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm your host, Doug Stewart, and I've got Norman back with us to talk about COVID, coronavirus, and all of the craziness. I had to alliterate that somehow. Norm, let's talk about corona. Let's let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a wild world we live in right now. It is. It is. We're we're recording this on the evening, very late uh, on Memorial Day, 2020, and it has been. So this is sort of the the unofficial start of summer. Um, yeah. And so summer is possibly going to be quite different from what spring, but maybe not. <laughs> we'll have to talk about how this all works out. There's been lots of things on my mind, and you know, you're often a person I want to talk to about this, and you know, we talk offline, of course, and you know, about different things, you know, that come up. And we've both noticed all kinds of things going on on social media uh, regarding, you know, libertarian reactions to the coronavirus, media reactions, governor reactions. You know, there seem to be a few sensible heads out there, but there is a lot going on. So for this episode, we're going to talk about a handful of things. And conveniently, I've alliterated them uh, because I can't <laughs> help myself. <laughs> so, can't stop. <laughs> just... Can't because I went to Bible college and that's how they taught us to write sermons. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and it it's crazy because like it's kind of dumb on the one hand, on the other it's like, well, it's, I guess it's clever. But, but anyway, it, they're even doing it on your on your uh, you know your church streaming these days. Church <laughs> streaming sermons are still alliterated. Yeah, yeah, we're all illiterates now. So, <laughs> um, social media. This has been one of those times, this period of time where I'm like, I wonder how libertarian some people are. And what I mean by that is it seems that some people, and I don't have it, honestly, I don't have anybody in particular in mind. I've just noticed people commenting here and there. I'm not, by the way, for our listeners who are part of our Facebook group, I'm not really even talking about anybody in our Facebook group per se. But like just this general sense of like people are contrarian and all before this pandemic issue and the experience, you know, they were, they seemed like they were libertarian. Now they're just like, oh, well, they just wanted to be contrarian. And so now it's like, well, we just got to do everything that the governor tells, you know, we got to do the opposite of whatever the state tells us to, which, yeah. you know, that might actually be the right action. Who knows? You know, it depends on the circumstances. But what has been your observation about social media and the sort of, because that's really, I mean, social media is the like almost the only thing where we can like connect with friends pretty you know, pretty regularly. Yeah. I, I joked to my wife really early on. I'm like, you know, it's a good thing that the government invented the internet so that during the pandemic we could still stay connected. I was being <laughs> sarcastic, but but Al Gore invented the internet. Yes, that's, right. That's, he he had a lot of foresight with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Him and his pal Bill Gates. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, that's that was no, that was called for. All right. So, yeah, what have you noticed on social media? Yeah, you know, my observation thus far has. I mean, I'll admit is a, is somewhat limited because, you know, my experience, I think if, you know, even before the, the interestingness that, that is social media these days has been the interestingness that has been my job, 
not to di- to completely divert to a different topic, but like whereas a lot of people have had to convert to wor- working at home or have not been able to work, my job has only gotten busier, uh, and I was already working from home, and it's and and in fact like I've been stupendously busy with with the, with the work, so I have not necessarily been able to observe. Uh, as much on social media as perhaps uh, many others. But of course, what I have noticed has been the stark levels of reactionaryism that are just all over the place. And it kind of leads to leans into my theory of of the the levels of overreactions that are, you know, that I think are kind of going on and that are just propagating themselves and on almost a mimetic basis at this point, where and it's just pretty, pretty wild. I mean, to mm-hmm. the point at which people who I felt were, you know, pretty reasonable people calling for, you know, essentially total, total subservience to the state in various ways, who might have been, you know, more normal, you know, reasonable people. And then some, some uh, other, other folks who I, who have gone completely opposite and uh who who might might be might, might have equated those two types of people in one uh in one situation in terms of their where they kind of stood politically or something to that effect but just went completely opposite directions in the in these scenarios uh and that's that's just that's kind of mind blowing to me on some level is just to see that and to see how it's it's just destroying people's conversations and whatnot mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also the the, the level of which people will buy into certain weird almost conspiracy type stuff out there mm-hmm. and and or just in and we don't even have to call it certainly consp- you know it's not even just conspiracy level stuff per se but also just like not fact checking mm-hmm. and not realizing that what they're what they're posting is just flat wrong i mean i'll, I'll i had a relative who was posting death numbers the other day that were clearly just wrong I mean, I, it was so obviously wrong. I mean, it had it had COVID nineteen deaths at like, you know, less than thirty thousand mm. across the world. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, that's like that's off by an order of magnitude. Yeah. So right. I mean, you know, and, and and trying to compare it to a seasonal flu or something to that effect. Yeah. And and that's just man, it's just it's just weird stuff that uh, you mean people not fact checking themselves and and whatnot because a lot of it is that they don't even trust the media. I mean, it just it just gets worse and worse in that respect. I wonder if social media has made the well, I won't say it's made the issue. I mean, it's it, it is what it is. It's not made it worse or better per se, because I think it is what you make of it, and people have their you know human impulses to just be like, oh my goodness, the death toll is you know way higher or way lower or whatever. Like, look at look, somebody on the internet said like I remember in the nineties that our teachers would tell us, don't believe everything you read on the internet because that's easy. Like, it's not (laughs) like it didn't have to go through a publisher to get at least vetted in some fashion. And that was like pre-Wikipedia even. (laughs) Right. And, you know, they didn't even have the, like, the the effects of crowdsourcing and things. Like, this was pre-we know that some of this actually is better knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I just just ingrained in me. I'm like, you know, don't believe everything you read on the internet. And I've, I've admittedly fallen like suspect to like, Oh, okay. I believe that, you know, nothing recently about, you know, coronavirus because I've been, I've held a lot of reservations on my opinions about things or my assessment of things, because I am very, I'm very much not 
I'm not a scientist. I'm not somebody who thinks like a scientist. Uh, the closest thing is sometimes I'll think more like an economist, and I think there's a sense in which that's like you know thinking like a scientist in some sense. It's a but, social science. Yeah, it, it, that's about it, right? So the social media experience is in some ways sensationalized. Oh, yeah. Um, because what ends up happening is that people, they see something, and they're like, oh, well, that's from a website and they don't even notice necessarily that it's like an opinion article over on a you know legit news website. And they share something or it confirms their biases or like there's just a lot of things that are out there. Like you and I are already, we would admit this and we would even say this is a good thing. We are predisposed to somewhat distrust or outright distrust information coming from the state. Yeah. Like, we don't just accept it without question at the yeah. bare minimum. And, you know, depending on your level of libertarianism, you you outright reject it, right? Like, from high, you know, minimal skepticism to outright rejection. Yeah, I think it's, we call that, sometimes we joke around and call it Lou Rockwell's first law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, uh, you know, whatever the state says, uh, don't believe it or <laughs> until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at the very least, we got to tilt our head and say, are you sure? Okay, if that's yeah, bare minimum, yeah. question it. That's fine. I don't think, I mean, honestly, I think my even like most leftist friends would say, okay, that's acceptable, right? But what I think is interesting is that people are sharing things and believing in things that confirm what they expect to be true because they already believe that the government's lying to them or that they're already yeah. believing that there's some sort of cover up or like, we're, again, we're getting into like the conspiracy theory land. And well, it's another you know, fact, it's troubling. another, another sort of factor there. I, and I literally just saw this the other day, you know, there was a, uh, where, where they'll tend to latch onto something that comports with a very, very small fraction of the broader experience or the broader data that is out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for instance, it might be something like I, I literally, again, I literally heard this said the other day on a, on a Facebook thread where, you know, well, um, we, in our County, we only have four cases of coronavirus this entire time. I, that should mean that, and basically the, the, the argument he was trying to make was because of that <laughs> fact, uh, you know, churches should just open. Mm, yeah. And, and it's like, well, okay, hold on. It's like, you may have, you might have a true conclusion there. Maybe churches should open, but it is not justified by your, your premise. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, it, it, so you're not thinking logically here. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, the function of logic is, is, is absolutely that we want to justify the beliefs or ideas that we have. Do you think that's similar to the like I don't know anybody who voted for Nixon? Oh yeah. <laughs> or or in or in the case of more recent days, I don't know anybody who voted for Trump. I don't know how he could have won or something <laughs> right, like that. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but this is exactly what Yeah, know, right. Or or conversely, there are people as I don't know anybody who, who voted yeah. for Hillary. That it must mean that's why Trump won. Well, let's like, let's take a specific example about what's happening in the fight over governors doing the right or wrong thing, right? So sure. I'm in Pennsylvania and our governor is I've I've often said to people <laughs> pretty he's, awful. He's holding us hostage. He's holding yeah. the economy hostage, um, you know, to the whims of the people in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Again, that's a that's a very I, I admit that's a biased way of putting it. Okay. So he thinks he's doing the right thing. All right. So then you have the governor of of South Dakota who basically said something very libertarian 
Um, and and I don't, she's not a libertarian, but she said something very, you know, constitutional, libertarian, whatever. Like, that's just not my job to shut down the state. We're not New York. We're not Chicago. We're yeah. not every other state. This is South Dakota. We have a different situation. We're not shutting down the state. And what's interesting is we have people saying, look at her, she's a hero. And and I think on that, on those grounds, she is. Like, she is demonstrating critical thinking about her situation and the people that she, that is under her care, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Uh, the people of her state. And she's making a decision accordingly. And that's that's fine. That's that's to be lauded, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that every governor should make her decision. Like, you know, New York, it just in the same way that like every governor shouldn't make the same decisions as Andrew Cuomo did for New York or, or Newsom did for California. Like, we all know that like not every state is California, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Wyoming had like a very, very small impact at this stage. At, at this point. And so they, they pretty much didn't shut down. I mean, we know, I know somebody in Wyoming and they basically were like, yeah, there's a little more caution here, but like, you know, we're all pretty separated anyway. So it just didn't, you know, everything's different. So when you, when someone, when I hear someone say, well, I don't even know anybody with coronavirus. I don't even know if this is real or I don't even know. It's just like, wait a second. Are you, you're not thinking critically here. Yeah. Um, and I think this is not only is it anti common sense. There is a sense in which this is anti-Christian in that we need to use our faculties that God gave us to, first of all, calm down and be patient and be a little bit more, you like to use the word circumspect, and think about <laughs> think about the things in which we're evaluating. It's so easy. We're at home a lot. We're, we have more time to look at our mobile phones and jump on Facebook and be thinking about these things and we are probably accelerating our conclusions about things based on what we see on a rapid fire, you know, like a rapid fire pace. Because, I mean, we're all stuck at home. We're all, not all, but you know what I mean. We're all stuck at home and we're wondering, well, what's Trump going to say on the on the coronavirus? What does this news outlet say? You know, I go to the Drudge Report and I'm like, I wonder what the articles are saying there. And you go to the Huffington Post, and you're like, what are they saying there? And it's like, What's the latest on this thing? Especially in early, you know, late March, early April, it was very much that way. There's a little bit of an exhaustion at this point, I think, going on, which yeah. we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the the experience in my mind has been that people are jumping to conclusions and it's not a very safe thing to do. What I mean, you, you said you weren't on social media as much, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of acknowledge that that's what your observation has been as well. Yeah, I, I think it's, definitely comports with what I've, what I have experienced thus far. It's yeah. it seem, seems to, seems to fit. So I, I want to make, so th we, we first talked about a little about social media and it's probably going to carry most of the thing and then sensationalism. And I want to make one sort of like comment on that. And this is, I understand why people resort to, or are attracted to things like conspiracy theories. There are situations in which if you don't, if you're not given enough information to make an evaluation on your own and it not not even if you're not trained like most of us aren't trained to under i mean i don't i don't understand data very well like i look at data and i'm like all right i kind of understand if someone's really bsing me but other than that i have to sort of take their word for it or cross check it with some other experts so i don't evaluate it myself i kind of do a little bit of research about the research so i can understand why if you have your government telling you you shouldn't wear a mask. Doesn't do any good. Two weeks later, they tell you, okay, you should wear a mask. 
protects other people. My governor is saying, you know, your mask protects me, my mask protects you. You should go out and wear it. I don't remember my governor issuing an order that you had to wear masks in public. That's possibly the case. I, I'd have to look it up. But like all of the places that I go shopping, I have to wear a mask. I don't have a problem with wearing a mask. It it's kind of, easy it, enough. It's, you know. it's easy enough. It's kind of, today it was annoying for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I was wearing it upside down or something. I don't know. But I went, <laughs> I went to Lowe's and I was just like, this is really annoying. And I'm like, I haven't complained about this in two months. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I I don't really care. I'd rather not hassle with people looking at me funny. So <laughs> but for not wearing one. And and I actually could have a legit, you know, excuse. It's not really a big deal for me to breathe, but you know, whatever. But I could I could make an issue. But I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll just complain. So when people have to fill in the blanks, when people are given inaccurate information, when people are given some information, and then that other later information, a week later, two weeks later, becomes, oh, well, we didn't have to wear masks after all. Like now Fauci is saying that masks aren't that helpful after all that we're learning. And then they learn that the studies of the asymptomatic carriers. And like you, you learn all this stuff and everybody who has been skeptical from the beginning saying there's less to <laughs> this than is, is, is now saying, look, now the government's even saying that we were right all along. See, we shouldn't have yeah. done all this. And that's, so, and that's and also a logical failure, actually, well, when you is, think about right. it. Yep. Because because they're just they're <laughs> if they didn't have a good reason to justify their prior belief in the first place, then it doesn't then like it doesn't matter that you happen to be right. Your process of getting to the answer was still mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah. Right. So you and hopefully like you should at least well, they're not gonna recognize it. They're demonstrating they didn't recognize it. But it's that's unfortunate. Uh, when people are, you know, go and make those claims. Yeah. I, well, my major point, though, is like I look at this and I have reserved judgment on a lot of things, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And I've just I, on one hand, I've kind of gone along with like, OK, I'll wear a mask. Like I just mentioned that. And, you know, exercising a small amount of caution. Mm -hmm. I don't like I, you know, like when I'm passing people in the store, I don't maintain six feet. But I but I don't like, you know, like. I don't know. I just do things in my personal behavior that shows people that I'm giving them respect, right? That mm -hmm. I'm giving them a personal space, even if I have to slip by, you know, because the grocery aisle is only six feet wide and I still got to go by, you know, something like that. So it's not like I don't believe any of this stuff. At the same time, I understand, I, I guess I'm just saying I understand why people are very skeptical because yeah. there's just so much, I wouldn't even call it misinformation. It's just, we're so inundated with we don't know we don't know we don't know and so we're all these experts quote unquote are making and and maybe not quote unquote both of them i suppose are making these judgments that we all have to live by and that doesn't feel right and it's i don't know i i, I give people the benefit awkward. of the doubt on both ways yeah i mean it's very awkward um it, to a grant to a grand extent i do think that holding you know some some measure of a scientific mind about this mm -hmm. helps one to assess things in the, in the, in an optimal manner. Mm -hmm. Um, and by that, I kind of mean like this, like we are used to in the scientific community having to make decisions based on incomplete information. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, in, and that's, that's just what you do in engineering. I mean, that's what, if we knew what it's like, I can't, I like to tell my people in my, in my, uh, in my company this sometimes when they ask me like, well, you know, they'll, they'll ask the question, well, do you, how do you, do you think it's going to work? It's like, um, if I knew it was going to work, 
I wouldn't need to do the experiment. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the, the fact, so, well, well you got to give me something to hang my hat. Like, you know, yes, I do have reasonable confidence yes. that it's going to yeah. work. Yeah. If I didn't believe it could work and it had a good chance of working, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, and it, but everybody wants certitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you don't, you don't have that luxury a lot of the time. No, no, you so, don't. So it's important to realize that we, that, and, and I mean, here, here I go, you know, like the, the, the anarcho-capitalist about to make, you know, talk about how does, pol how do policy decisions need to be made? Right. Eh, you get one. Great. I get, I get one, right? <laughs> no. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? How are we going to go about getting there? You know, maybe an analogy that one could draw is like, what if, if I'm trying to go from like San Francisco to New York City on a drive and I don't have a map, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I just sort of know, okay, I need to start by heading east. <laughs> right. And then the more information that I get, maybe yeah. I learn more about the highways. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can, you know, I pick up, I pick up a map of, of Colorado when I get there. And so I can kind of go, Oh, well, I sort of know I need to head this general direction. Oh, look, there's this highway. And, uh, and, and then I, but then I'm also put placed with a restriction. Like I have to get there in five days. <laughs> well, now, now I have to, now I have to be, make some potentially risky decisions because I don't necessarily know the direction, but I got to get there fast. So maybe I have to drive a little faster, mm -hmm. and so, and and the more, but the more information you have, what do you do? You adapt. So you learn more and you change. Like as scientists, we have to change our minds on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. We make a hypothesis, and if we are not correct through our experimentation, then we have to then we have to correct ourselves, and we have to change things up. I could tell you story after story in my own career about about things I was wrong about <laughs> all over the place and uh, and having to change up the hypothesis as I went. So let me, let me be Kathy Newman for you. If anybody knows that reference, that's a Jordan <laughs> Peterson reference. So you're saying we should just listen to whatever our government tells us, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I and I mean in all seriousness, it's just like, okay, I've been I've been willing to sort of give benefit of the doubt to the fact that most of these governors don't have any clue what they're doing. They have to rely on experts who are also scrambling to understand something very new. That and they're no, they these are people with agendas, they're people with biases. Most of them are very likely not going to be in favor of individual liberty over, you know, social I would say social security, social safety. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're going to be more left-leaning, you know, from our perspective. And that's not necessarily wrong in 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 terms of like, you know, scientific evaluation, but at the same time, they're I give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, early on, fine. You got to do a shutdown. It sucks. People aren't going to like it. Let's accept it. Let's see how where this is going to go. We're dealing with eight weeks in, and there's way more knowledge. There's way more information out there. Yeah. Some of it misinformation, but there's way more information out there. And there's a lot more, like, I keep finding myself quoting Barack Obama. <laughs> he said in, in 2008, when John McCain, here's the situation was with John McCain, was, so the recession hit right? The crash of Lehman Brothers, I think. And John McCain wanted to say, let's suspend our campaigns and just go to town, go to Washington and get this all fixed. And his his approach was this and that. And Obama said, and this is, this is true, we need to use a scalpel like a surgeon and not just go to this thing like a hatchet. And I feel like it, this has felt like a hatchet job. And I don't mean in like the pejorative sense. Job. Well, it is. But I mean, even like, 
They just think that that's the tool they've got. And it's like, hold on here. There are people who can make sensible decisions. And maybe I'm, and I'll just say from my perspective in Pennsylvania, it's been a very frustrating experience for us because the system, apparently Pennsylvania has a waiver system that no other state has implemented where like you can go through this waiver process and like even though you might not be essential, like if you're non-essential, you could even get a waiver to do work because of special conditions. Yeah. Um. And so apparently that's kind of, I don't know, I, th- at least that's what the governor's page said. Like no other state has done. Or no, I read an article that said no other state has done this process. So I was like, well, okay, fine. But like the waiver process is really strange because some people under the same industries did and did not get waivers. And oh, then man. there were some nefarious things going on where like it, it all got straightened out the day before they revealed their waiver process. So there's a <laughs> lot of... St- like shady stuff going on. And so I, again, I gave our governor benefit of the doubt early on, but now it's like, hold on here. You're just hatcheting the whole, the whole state, you know, because you can't be more, you know, you can't use your scalpel or whatever, you know, it's like, if I had a hatchet. And the further we get into this, the the more we learn how much failure there is to go around. Mm -hmm. I mean, early on my, my belief, and I felt this was justified based on what we were learning uh, about the, that we, the things that we knew about the virus at the time and the experience in particular of South Korea, that we needed to hit the testing as hard as we possibly could. And mm-hmm. that was kind of an early mantra as well, even from the, the administration. Uh, I mean, one of the first things that happened in early March, of course, was the, the, the couple of press conferences that were held at the White House and a bunch of titans of industry, including Roche and Thermo Fisher Scientific, were brought in. I think Thermo Fisher was about to ve- the, they were developing tests and they were getting approved. And this seemed like it was a great thing. And then what it just went nowhere because there was. And then we kept on finding that there was more and more failure to go around. Even before that, we we're now finding we're, we're beginning to get information about how the CDC just made an utterly terrible series of decisions about manufacturing of tests. And it's just, the irony of this is that, you know, these are the the experts that we were supposed to put our trust in uh, are not good at particular things. Lo and behold, hmm. they might be good at one thing, maybe the assessment of epidemiological data, but it turns out when, you know, you put them also in charge of making the test that they make you know, manufacturing errors. Holy moly. Mm. I mean, what, what do you know? Who, who would have thought, um, <laughs> that, that to me is, is, it's remarkable. Um, and, and a great source of information for all this is, uh, you know, reason.org has been putting out daily, you know, content mm-hmm. about, uh, about COVID-19 information. Uh, and, and especially as it pertains to, you know, the, the series of government failures, um, that have, Led us to where we are now. Yeah, Reason's been my go-to source for a lot of this. Like, they're not always, I mean, they're not post, I mean, they're doing a handful of articles a day, if not more. But they've been a kind of go-to source for me because I don't, it's ideological in the sense that they're libertarians. At the same time, they are very committed to scientific process. And so I think those hold enough tension for each other for to keep a libertarian from going off the rails and from people keep people from being like, Oh, well, we just, we just got to listen to what the government says because this is, this trumps everything else, you know, in terms of individual Liberty, it like keeps that going on as well. And they're very, they're very much, 
I don't want to say the word balance because it's not quite the right word to use. Everybody could say they're balanced. That's not that's almost meaningless cliche. What, but might we say they're reasonable? <laughs> oh man, I try to avoid puns on this show. No, I don't actually. But yeah. you know, anyway, um, you know, you, you know, you were talking about like learning things early on. You know, <laughs> oh, there's just so much. Like I, I wanted to, I wanted to be like, you know, it's too bad Trump didn't tell us this was gonna, you know, that what he knew when he was elected. You know, because that's what people think. It's like, oh, well, Trump just, you know, botched the whole job. And there's a lot, there's a lot of blame to go around. There's a lot of fault to go around. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot revealing going on, you know. Yeah. People do. Lo and behold, um, the government's not particularly great at protecting from pandemics. What do you know? And decentralization of decision-making processes might work. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, I I really do appreciate the fact that there have been states and there have been countries and there are enough of them that have done different things Mm -hmm. um, that we can, over time, hopefully assess them a little bit less subjectively. You know, like everybody that I know on the left is just praising the, the, the president, prime minister of New Zealand for what she did. Um, and then, you know, most libertarians are talking about Sweden, right? Like, yeah. who would have thought, Norman, that libertarians would want to be like Sweden? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> would, would want America to act like sweet, act like Sweden? Actually, that's not so far fetched if you know that if you know what's going on. But, um, you know, that's just it. It's crazy. Like, people are going to, you know, confirm their own biases and so forth. So let's. Talk There's a also little- some. Well, go ahead. Well, before we before we jump off that though, like another thing that's I think interesting here as it pertains to the government reactions, you know, I hope that people learn some lessons as well from at least some of the things that that were kind of liberty leaning that did go on early on, and namely that you know suddenly uh, there was even a, there was even a headline on a reason.org article at one point like you know uh, it was something akin to. Uh, in a pandemic, everyone is a libertarian. Mm. And the notion there was that look at how many regulations that are suddenly being discarded yeah. in favor of we got to get stuff out faster and and so on and so forth. As if as if like, well, you know, OK, we we don't have time to uh, we don't have time to go through the bureaucratic process, even though it that bureaucratic process is purportedly there to slow things down in order to not make errors. Yeah. Okay. That's like supposedly the bureau, the bureaucracy is there in order to make the process better, but it's tacitly admitting that it makes it worse and slower to have them in place. Mm. Now, why can't, so it begs the question like, well, why can't we always do it this way? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of it, not, a, not entirely unlike, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, the joke that I, I wrote an article of, Man, it's been years now. I think I re- I reposted it at some point in the last couple of years. Again, I think it was on the on the advent of the last Olympics season. And uh, there's you know there, there's the uh, <laughs> this thing called the Olympic peace, and and it's the idea is that the Olympic peace that goes back to ancient Greece, and that when you held the Olympics, hostilities would cease, and uh, and that's supposed to be even the modern Olympics. That's sort of ceremonially what's supposed to happen. And uh, even though it's not, it doesn't really happen per se because companies are not, I mean, company countries are not going to, and governments are not going to just suddenly become non-belligerent. But the idea being is that if you're willing, like if you're willing to cease hostilities like a couple of days a year to play some games, why don't we just play games all year round? Like <laughs> my kids, like, okay, this, this is a little aside, but my kids have, have asked me, why don't they just like 
play against each other in Fortnite or something. Like, why do we have to actually kill humans? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, why can't they? Why can't we have war digitally? And that decides which countries take over other countries. Like, <laughs> you should remind them that that there have been uh, there there have literally been like uh, science fiction books and episodes of television shows written about this very idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we we should we should have an episode on that sometime in the future. So we'll just pivot from science fiction yeah. mention <laughs> to science, which is our other alliterative hey, uh, science fact. Science fact, right? Dude, I don't know who to believe. Um, pun intended. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like CDC, WHO, you know, Trump's press conference slash campaign speeches. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, do I believe the guy Fauci? What I don't even remember his name or yeah, his uh, position. Fauci. But like, do I do I believe him? Do I not? Do I like where where do we go in terms of assessing whether or not the information that we're given is reliable? to a reasonable extent. Is it going to be true forever and ever? No, probably not. I think we all kind of understand that this is provisional. Mm -hmm. uh, it's provisional knowledge and information, um, but critical thinking skills are still necessary. And so, you know, when I go out, I'm going to wear a mask personally. It's not really for scientific reasons. So anyway, yeah, we're talking well, about that. So what, what do you think we libertarians need to do with respect to the state sort of giving information that is based in science. Because what ends up happening is, and, and we'll talk about this after, you know, your answer, is that you have people saying, well, this scientist over here or these 20 scientists over here are saying an alternate view. And so there's a lot of juggling of information. And people like me who aren't trained in this are just like, oh, well, a scientist said it, so they must have some valid point. And man, that's a really a good point. And oh my goodness, what are they doing to us? Like, it just goes there fast. You're right. It goes there fast. Uh, it's difficult at times to assess what's happening. And one of the, one of the things I would, I would remind anybody who's kind of wondering what to do with the information is to kind of ask, like, well, what is being required of me here? And so, for instance, about wearing a mask, for, you know, okay. You can object to wearing a mask if you really want to, but what is it really requiring of you? And, it, and let's let's talk. You can even think about it in terms of the risk that one is taking doing or not doing a certain activity. If uh, you know, it, it, again, let's go back to let's just go with the mask for a second. Masks, for the most part, are like not going to be effective, or they're not they're not going to have uh, a big not going to have a big effect when you're out in highly ventilated areas, you know, you're just walking around outside. Um, and, and I mean, if you're, if you're wearing a mask and like, and you're in an open field and somebody walks six feet by you, but it's like, you know, blowing wind like crazy, then you yeah. know that it's like, that's not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have to ask what the mask is really for and, and what, you know, if you're, if you're listening into what, uh, this, a variety of people, you know, in the media and then the, the people who have authorities in the science are saying, you know, it's about when you're in closer contact with people in lesser ventilated areas. And so if you're willing to go like, well, okay, I just don't want to do it just because I don't want to. Or if you, if you have some other, like, do you have some other valid reason mm -hmm. to, to not do it? Because like, what's the, what's the risk involved? The risk is that if there, if the person aside that you don't know who's who's in that poorly ventilated area is a carrier, 
then you could, then you're at a higher risk of contracting, mm-hmm. you know, a, a some type of virus, virus containing droplet, uh, air, you know, air, uh, air, mal, air pocket or whatnot. And if you're, you know, in, in, or if you're a carrier, then you would automatically, and if you didn't know you were because you were asymptomatic at the time, then you would be at risk of potentially transmitting to them. Mm-hmm. So while you could, you know, just say, well, I'm not a carrier or, uh, you know, and maybe, and maybe you have good reason to believe you're not a carrier or maybe you've had the antibody test done and you know that you're, you're mm-hmm. not at risk in, anymore or, or whatnot. That's, you know, congrats, that's great. Um, but out of respect for those around you, though, you kind of realizing that like this is a that the risk is is present, and that there are people around me who are going to you know be potentially more fearful than I am, or maybe not understand as well. Then perhaps it would be best to do it. And that, like it's just an assessment of of the of the risk involved and the things that are you know that are the things that are possible, and uh, yeah. and realizing that the cost of doing it is not really that large. So for, for most, make, I mean, I think you're, you're assuming the non-exceptions, right? The like, non-exceptions. Well, the person who has asthma where they can, they can barely breathe. Like the, the people who genuinely have medical reasons not to. Uh, yeah. I'll, I don't really understand the, the way all that works in this case. Um, but it, yes, I, I, presumably there would be a way that that might be more difficult. But in that case, maybe, maybe you, you need to be personally responsible for the way that you would act in those situations though mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So like you got to act reasonably and responsibly. So and the whole, the, so the whole, like, I don't want to wear a mask because it restricts my breathing and I just personally don't like it is a little bit too weak of an argument in your mind. Uh, to an extent. How, what I mean, about I, from a libertarian perspective? Like, if I don't want to wear a mask, why should why should any other person force well, me to do so? Well, if it's if it's on somebody else's property, then they have the right to, right. to say what is and is not required. Right. I mean, if, if we we jokingly we've talked for eons in libertarian circles about the I think it was Rod Long who jokes around about you know if I want to invite you into my house, but you know, but I say you must wear the funny hat. Yeah, I mean, the, right? No then, shirt, no shoes. Of course, no mask, he has the no right service. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If it's if if a uh, if we can say no shirt, no shoes, no service, and certainly we can say no mask, no service. So right. it's not really anybody forcing you to wear a mask. It's about whether or not you are allowed to come onto someone else's property and not be trespassing as an invited guest if you're wearing the mask or not. All right, let's let's stretch this one 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 more way. I just realized there was a sort of pun there on the mask thing. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. I have performed I got, I got a lot a, of stress tests on masks. So <laughs> Yeah. So let let's let's push this one more one more step on the person who says, No, I shouldn't have to wear a mask. So it's my body. I should not have to wear a mask. You should not you you and your property shouldn't tell me how I should what I should do on my face. Well, and you uh, if then, you're on if you're on your own property, then you can make that decision for yourself. But like, that's not something that you can't come on to, you know, let's say if I own a business and I want to require people to wear masks on, you know, when they come onto my business. Now, maybe I want, maybe because I want to make money, I might provide them for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. But I have, but if I say you got to wear a mask here, I'm, I'm asking you to leave. Then like, what, what recourse do you have? Yeah. I actually heard somebody say like, it was in this really large group on reopen PA and they said something along the lines of like, you know, I went to my local Costco, which happens to be the one that's my local Costco and they wouldn't let her in 
And I actually know that many stores, I mean, I've seen this. It's like, oh, if you have a medical condition, we'll let you in anyway. Just we'll just respectfully assume that, you know, that's what the reason is. And this and my Costco apparently doesn't allow you in no matter what. Like that's their yeah. thing. And the lady who like she asked when they went in and she said, Well, I can't I have a medical reason or whatever. I still want to go in. And the manager still wouldn't let her in. She's like, that's just our law. And that was the phrase that she had a tro- trouble with, like, our law. And I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of weird because no one really talks that way about their own private property. But it's like, look, we this is, this is ours. We have a right to refuse service for this reason. And, you know, like, yeah. I mean, again, it's not like it's she simple. can't go somewhere else. It's, it's very different from, like, not being allowed to buy food. Like period, yeah, but it's, it's also that kind of thing. like there are ways to work around this. I mean, mm-hmm. surely, surely that we we could. Yeah. The business wants to make money too. There are ways that that come like businesses all over the place are figuring out ways to work around this problem. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's actually a really good lesson here, you know, economically and and from a you know a policy perspective is that amazingly enough, if people are, are people if people are given some general guidelines, which I think that many. Uh, at least to the best of our knowledge of what the virus could and could not do, you know, scientifically and so on and so forth. Uh, the rest, the, the, some of the general guidelines that are pretty good coming out of, of the CDC at, at times, they're pretty good. Okay. Given those guidelines, I mean, the market can come up with all sorts of unique and, and good ways of working around problems um, and, and allowing people to freely exchange in safe and secure ways. I mean, come on, like we've seen, uh, we've seen uh, all sorts of restaurants bending over backwards to gain customers back Mm -hmm. and and making it as easy as possible. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it's like (laughs) that, the, that the, the, it's sometimes hard to get into some of these places just to get your food because they're, they're doing such a good job at at serving that they're like, now they're hitting capacity again. Mm. And (laughs) So let's let's take a look at the future. What does here, here's our last thing, our our last S of my alliteration, you know, spiel. Huh? Summer. Yeah. What is what is summer going to look like? Um, it's oh, going to be more outdoors because we now can be more outdoors, not necessarily because of permission, but because this is just what summer typically is. I mean, I spent literally mm-hmm. all day yesterday and today outside. And I'm, you know, it seems fine. A lot of pools in our state are, some of them are opening, some of them are not. Like, what what do you foresee happening in terms of the actual attitude about how we interact? Because it could be very, we're all tired of this. Like, yeah. I think even the people who are like really super cautious, they're exhausted, right? We're oh, yeah. all exhausted about this. And so it could be, you know, a, a time for us to get like sloppy, and lazy and less vigilant if that's if yeah. if you're if we're supposed to be vigilant and i think there's a there's a there's a good case to be made for being vigilant reasonably and so summer can be just like this could be a sloppy summer right like with this could be a, the summer we didn't you know we could have been the more summer of slop yeah <laughs> and i'm trying to think of another way of putting this but anyway you know i mean i think we we understand what we're saying here it's like can we be vigilant and responsible and not go crazy into this like weird, let's just obey our government all at all yeah. times, no matter what kind of situation? Well, personally, I think there's there's still a number of unknowns with regards to the communicability of the virus in certain ways. And I am particularly concerned of a couple of different things and and uh, and mostly because these are 
like big, just kind of big concerns on, on my end. So on the first, in the first place, you know, they're, they're, like you said, there's going to be a lot more outdoor stuff going on. We're definitely seeing an uptick in people getting together in parties and outdoor activities that are in very in highly concentrated ways. So there was pictures showing up of clubs in the Lake of the Ozarks that were just packed, and and you just cut, and in pool parties, and you're kind of going, kind of "Wow, mm. like if this is this seems like breeding ground zero for mm-hmm. uh, for virus." If if this is if, but on you know, so it's possible that we could see resurgence as a result of that. And it's going to be really hard to ascertain to an extent if that is going to be responsible for it. But it'll be even more interesting, I suppose, if despite all these, you know, reopenings and whatnot and a lot of the outdoor activities that you're now seeing people do, if we if we don't see resurgence, is it because of some of the suspicions that perhaps in warmer weather we would see, you know, there's been debates going on and it's, it's definitely not settled at all. If uh, warmer weather would cause a you know remission mm-hmm. essentially or or you know uh, a backing off of uh, of transmission and uh, and that's like we just don't know like that's that has yet to be seen and then compounding factors of that are varying degrees of opening up that are happening across uh, you know my one of my concerns is is uh, is for churches naturally I saw a, you know an article and read it and it seemed quite reasonable uh, where a choir met and uh, it was now granted the age grouping of that choir was on the order of like 60 to 65 on average. Mm. So you're talking an older generation with probably a, you know, some standard deviations of older and younger. Uh, But a few people were, you know, it were actually COVID positive in that group. And before long, it was within bare with not even two weeks 87% 87% of the people in that choir were then COVID positive. That was pretty astounding. And what that means to me, especially given my church tradition, is that in, uh, you know, in churches like my own that are very singing focused, what does that mean for us if we only start going back to church? Yeah. And especially as it pertains to those uh, who are older, um, and I've been certainly part of churches that have a predominantly older generation um, at times. And, you know, I, that concerns me. I don't want to be, or rather I should say, I want to be mindful of those kinds of scenarios where you might have the possibility of higher than average levels of transmissibility based on proximity and based on activity. So that, that definitely is, is concerning to me. And as it pertains to, you know, kind of me, again, me personally over the summer, I'm going to be, I, I'm, I actually am getting involved uh, in uh, some pretty important testing with our technology and my company with actual COVID samples. Uh, so I'm going to be doing some real fundamental science on this stuff pretty soon. Mm. Um, and, or at least being able to directing it from somewhat afar. It's yeah. in collaboration with a major university uh, that's not in, not in St. Louis. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not at liberty to discuss all those details, but it's it's going to be very interesting going forward what we're going to be able to find. Uh, I do have reasonable confidence that you know we're going to be pretty successful in the endeavor based on prior data against other coronaviruses, um, the species that is. 
And so I'm, I, I mean, I've got a lot of work to do and I'm going to be observing, you know, constantly the status of things uh, and trying to make decisions for me and my family about what to do from like, you know, for my, for my kids um, and their educational situation, therapy situations for my special needs child and so on and so forth. It's going to be a lot of decisions that need to be made here. Yeah. I don't think we're out of this yet. And I think that we're going to need to continue being at least moderately careful uh, until we have re- like yeah. seen greater confidence in the ability to, uh, to, to go out unhindered and not worrying about certain things. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to end uh, on a word of like caution, vigilance, and um, yeah, I don't want to just be smart. Yeah, just be smart, guys. I mean, don't don't object to things when it's easy to do. Like just let's let's be be neighborly and don't give libertarians a bad name. Yeah, yeah. Let's that's a good it's a good thing to do. Don't give libertarians a bad name. Right. And let let's just yeah, like let's. In the meantime, I would also encourage everybody to like. Take this time that you have that where you're not as socially active at times and whatnot to, to learn as much as you can. Make use of this time. There's that great verse about redeeming the time, and this is the this is the time to do it. You know, learn something new, read some books, yeah, you know, write some essays, uh, publish with us at LCI. And you know, if you want to write something cool and I mean, geez, there's so many, there's so many good things that you can be doing with the time, you know, just make you make the most of it. Yeah. Well, Norm, I think we should probably have another conversation about some more specific libertarian topics around this. Like we could talk about contact yeah. tracing apps. And oh my goodness! We could talk about <laughs> vaccines and whether or not we should have to take them, and how's that going to all play out? Because it's going to play out in some way. Uh, there's, I know there's, you know, there, there's just a lot of issues that we could talk about that are more like hot button issues for libertarians. And we've we've yeah. somewhat avoided those in this conversation because we wanted to sort of just get a more high, I would call it a higher altitude perspective of what's going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll in the f- near future, I can't say exactly when I suppose, but uh, we will in the near future, you know, kind of dive in on the hot button issues and, you know, give some, give some perspective on that. What do you think? Seems like a great idea. Let's All do right. it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your summer. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. Hey, podcast listeners. Since you like listening to audio content, we wanted to let you know about a new audiobook titled Called to Freedom, Why You Can Be Christian and Libertarian. It's read by me, Jacqueline Isaacs, one of the contributing authors of the book, and every download helps to support the Libertarian Christian Institute. To learn more and to download the audiobook today, go to calltofreedombook.com.